This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science. What it is and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley. And me, Daniel Lakens from Eindhoven University of Technology. In this first episode, we will discuss a point made by Francis Bacon in his book from 1620, The Novum Organum, which 400 years ago laid the foundations of the modern scientific method. Bacon tells us that scientists should not be motivated by fun, feelings of superiority, fame, power, or money. Instead, they should want to do science to make the world a better place. The sentiment is expressed well in one of the aphorisms in Novum Organum, which Daniel will read at the beginning of the episode. We will discuss how what Bacon considered inferior motivations can get in the way of scientific knowledge production, but also ask ourselves if it is even possible to ignore these motivations in practice. Enjoy. Lastly, I would address one general admonition to all, that they consider what are the true ends of knowledge, and that they seek it not either for pleasure of the mind or for contention or for superiority to others or for profit or fame or power or any of these inferior things, but for the benefit and use of life and that they perfect and govern it in charity. So if we take this view that um, Bacon is proposing seriously and and we don't have to, because I remember, by the way, that I sent this to somebody mm-hmm. who asked, you know, does anybody have a really extreme um, quote somewhere about what the motivation of scientists should hmm. be? Interesting. Yeah. And, 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 and I remembered this quote, so I sent it to this person. And, and, and this person said, oh, wow, this is such a great example of something completely over the top. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, is this, is this over the top? I thought this was pretty good. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, and by yeah. over the top, they meant sort of like highfalutin, kind of very lofty as a goal? Not, not even, yeah, not even lofty, but really like who would seriously think that you should not be motivated by all these other oh. things and only for, they just thought it was crazy. Yeah. That yeah. is fascinating. Well, let's start by, by trying to criticize Bacon on this, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's good to start from, right. from a perspective of a slight devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. And, and that would mean that we say Bacon... Very lofty words, very nice, but you're basically just exaggerating here. Um, and, and we could think why it's good that scientists or some scientists are motivated by fame, money, uh, the pleasure of the mind, so that it's just fun to do, mm-hmm. um, and, and that those things are actually good for scientific knowledge generation. Do you think that there are arguments against what Bacon is saying and, you know, this is actually fine? I mean, part of it, um, oh, I definitely think there's an argument to be made, partly because, I mean, what Bacon is saying sounds great in an ideal world, but we don't live in an ideal world. And especially money is an easy one, right? You do have to make a living, even if you're doing science. So in some ways, right, you just have to be pragmatic about, you know, realities of life. And it's like, sure, if you're motivated by money, that's fine. So definitely money... Even fame, I think, to some extent, you can make the argument that people, it's such a human thing to be motivated by 
positive feedback from other people or positive evaluation from other people mm-hmm. that it's it's almost not even a matter of should we do it or not it's just such a natural thing for humans um to do right to want to be accepted and evaluated positively by peers and by other people so there's that and, and to be recognized right to be recognized when you're in your supermarket <laughs> that, 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 that once happened to me actually really Wow. Peak, peak of my fame, I think. <laughs> I was just in my supermarket and somebody said, walked up to me and said, are you Daniel Lappens? Yeah. yeah. I felt Did really they famous. take your autograph? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they didn't. They, they followed my online course, my MOOC. That's why. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. That must have felt really good. it was good. fun. Yeah. It was fun. Oh, I'm sure that yeah, was, it was fun. fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. Memorable. Yeah. The one, of, one, the one that I find a little bit hard to argue against um, or agree with Bacon on is the pleasure of mind. I'm curious what mm. you think about that. That I, I have heard a lot of academics talking about how, like, they pose that as the ideal reason to do sciences, like, not for anything else, but just like curiosity for its own sake, because it's, you know, just aesthetically pleasing to the mind. Um, mm. And to me, that has felt like one of the purest reasons to do science, but maybe I'm wrong. Bacon sounds like he would disagree. I, I'm curious what you think. I definitely feel it's one of the things that set a career in academia apart from a career outside of academia Mm. and uh, where people say that, you know, you can also do research and and very often extremely interesting research, Mm -hmm. but you just don't have this freedom where you can just pick up any topic whenever you want, just because you like it. I mean, that's the only perk we sort of have in academia, uh, I think, right? The flexibility. Um, So it's a, yeah, so it's really a difficult one to give up on because- if we don't have that, what are we? What are we in science for? Just you know, uh, you come to work and you solve only societal problems. Now, it's it is a he has a point though. You know, uh, if if you take his point seriously, that we should do research for the benefit and use of life, mm-hmm. we should maybe come into work, rank order the biggest problems in society that exist at this moment. And start with number one, you know, and work on number one and say, okay, so, okay, yeah, I don't really feel like it today, but I guess climate change is a real problem. So I'm going to give up whatever I was doing before. And this is now the thing, which, ah, maybe. Yeah, I guess the the issue with that would be, wouldn't you think that there would be some disciplines in science where that's so much easier to do than if you were doing geology right i mean there are no world problems associated with geology or maybe there are that i'm not aware of right but there could be if you're doing you know you're studying bacteria that live at the bottom of the ocean i'm not sure i see how that would solve any problems of the world but that doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile research to do um yeah so so one reasonable criticism for bacon is saying like how how are we supposed to know and and isn't doing things that seem uh, important challenges or puzzles to us pretty good proxies for things that might in the future be Mm -hmm. in general more useful for other things Um, and in that sense i mean he doesn't give you anything else to go on except this hypothetical rank ordered list of biggest problems in the world but i don't know where where to get that list Um, in some fields maybe that's a little bit easier actually you know, I think in, in mathematics, they have these big problems. Everybody agrees we have to fix those. In physics, there's a bit more of an agreement on these are the ways that are 
uh, that we don't have a single model of how the universe works. Right. So, so we have to solve these issues. But yeah. yeah, in our field of psychology, there's not just this one list of things. So, yeah. So that's hard to do. Um, I'm not sure what he means by for contention. I think it's just for, for fun. Like it's so mm. fun to f figure things out. You know, you can lose yourself in your room playing with lenses or something for a week. And then you figured <laughs> out something about how light works. And in the end, you're like, oh, this is so cool. But he would probably, you know, want you to do things that are more important and not just fun. That's how I read it. Contention. Mm. Yeah. It makes you feel good or something. And if we take away like these pleasurable individual feelings, why would anybody pursue a career in science? You'd have to be uh, a real altruist, like completely altruistic. You're basically saying, uh, I'm giving up any pleasure in my life. Uh, the thing that I do for my job should not be giving me any pleasure or positive affect. But I'm just going to, you know, line up and say, here I am. Put me to good use to solve the world's problems, even though I might not like it. That feels like a big ask. So... We might not end up with the smartest, best people for science. If this is our criteria, we might up with really altruistic people, <laughs> but not with the best scientists. I don't know. Well, even if you were to say, oh, I'm going to give up all of these. Yeah, positive. I mean, even even being altruistic provides some kind of positive feeling, right? Like it's yeah, if it's yeah. not curiosity, then it's, oh, the feeling of, oh, I'm helping the world, um, which is still you know, it's still a positive individual feeling. I don't think you can separate that. The question that I, for me, like the question against what Bacon is saying is that, well, but for you to say, oh, the only reason I would want to do science is to benefit society is that you're making the assumption that what you're doing is going to benefit society, even if it's in the long run, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which may or may not be true. We don't know. Mm -hmm. There's what if you were doing homeopathy and you didn't realize it, right? Like you, you could spend your whole life and be like, what's, oh, yeah. What's I'm wrong with that? <laughs> it's a great, successful market making a lot of people happy. No. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, maybe they're just capitalized on the placebo effect and they're doing great. You know, if you're if you stop mm. pain, you've still stopped pain, right? Yeah. Maybe there's something <laughs> to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I mean, there's some that in here that are that are hard to argue in favor of, like, if you want to feel superior to other people, that's definitely not a good reason. Um, R really? Yeah. Really? You think there's like, an argument to be made to feel? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but but about the puzzle thing, one, one thing, maybe a last thing about the puzzle. We, we will go to the superiority maybe and all the other ones. Right. But about the puzzling thing, there are some companies where they even give people freedom to puzzle around because it's just a great way to get unexpected discoveries or, you know, new things that we didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking maybe an argument against Bacon here would be you need to give people some space to just play around just for fun. Uh, and that's actually an important thing of being a scientist. First of all, it mm. attracts people who like to do this thing. And those are probably good scientists. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, do the, the good thing for society all the time if it's not really challenging. So you give right. them a little bit of time to do their fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And also that might just be good for science, for the unexpected discoveries and things. So, so my argument against it would be like, um, yeah, give them a little bit of time. The argument that we have to admit then is that 
people should maybe think a little bit more about what is the important thing to do, you know, and not just do puzzle solving or fun stuff all the time. If there are clear big problems to focus on and there, I guess he has at least relatively a point. Yeah, that's definitely hard to argue with. And I think the the idea of like solving puzzles, it's not that different from, oh yeah, even if you want to solve the problems of society, that's still a problem. You can think of it as a puzzle. So I probably sort of agree with you that if you bring people in that really care about solving puzzles, you might want to give them more leave it to be able to sort of engage in. Yeah, it's, it's our only perk, you know, it's our only perk we had left as, uh, you know, against all those people that have successful careers outside of the academy. <laughs> but that just are just... Keep, you know, give us this one tiny thing for a little bit of our time. The one little thing, yeah. And that's as I was saying earlier, is that I've heard people say that, oh, yeah, you know, we don't make a lot of money and there's not a lot of fame, yeah. unless you're, you know, one of those really big academics. The only thing you have is mm. that, oh, yeah, we get to choose whatever it is that we want to study. And that's, it's a big perk. Yeah. So you want to, do you want to go about the money? Talk about the money issue. Sure, yeah. Should we be motivated by money um so you, you you argued against it like of course you, like money is fine to a certain extent you have to live right right um, so so is that it should we pay academics just enough to live and they shouldn't want a bigger house than they necessarily need like bare minimum is all we give them or, or is it fine if they're motivated to become a full <laughs> professor just because it uh, makes more money like is it fine or is that a bad motivation Oh, gosh. Yeah, money is just such a tricky thing. Because I mean, especially when you think about like when this was written in Bacon's time, and even if you think about past scientists, right? I mean, in, in some sense, if you want to sit around thinking about these big societal problems, you can't be sitting worrying about, oh, how am I going to pay rent? So there's like this reality of like, if you're completely financially insecure, then doing science is difficult. I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's fun that in in his book he also writes about people who who do science who are able to do science like this, and they're basically financially independent, yeah. like completely wealthy, independently wealthy, and they just do it for fun. <laughs> exactly, but yeah. it might not be good to leave science to the, you know. To the wealthy no. people who can just afford to do it. Exactly. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I definitely, you know, so I'm not, you know, saying I, people should definitely be getting paid well and, you know, nobody should <laughs> be worrying about food. I, I think my issue comes as when, is that the incentive to do, right? Like, things could, you could end up with certain benefits that aren't the goal. Mm -hmm. If you're going to, like, if you go exercising if you go jogging because you want to get better you know cardiovascular health because you like whatever long distance running or you like dancing or whatever right i mean you might end up with good looking calves because that's <laughs> what happens when you run but that's a side effect right that's not something you're going mm. for so sure you've ended up with great mm. calves as a byproduct right but the main yeah, goal yeah. is something else so i think that's how i think about money is that yes of course mm. we should all have great calves but that shouldn't be the yeah. goal is how i think about it <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I mean, that that very much resonates with my Protestant culture here okay. in the Netherlands. It also reminds me of there are these houses in Amsterdam, like um, in the canals in Amsterdam, you have all these houses, mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah. and, and they have a certain size. They're not too big, but there's this one house that's basically twice as big as all the other houses uh -huh. in the row. Yeah. And it had to have like a text on the top 
excusing why they had so much money. And it's sort of like what you say, like it's just a byproduct because it says through hard work and uh, prayer or something, you know, like we worked hard, we were very religious and if we just ended up with this, this big house, sorry, it's not up to, yeah. Excuse us. Yeah. Well, we'd be really successful over here. That's uh, there, there is at this moment some, some economist who's just like, you know, uh, feeling physical pain for how silly we are about the fact that of course you need to give people more money if they work harder and do better science, right? Mm, yeah. There's somebody who's going to say, come on, you're so naive. This is not how it works. Right. We, we give people the full professorship with a lot of money so that they'll work like crazy for a long time to achieve this. They get rich. That's what they want. Mm. And, and that's why they will do all this work. It's not a byproduct. Mm, right. And I mean, no, and that, that definitely, right, if you're building technology, especially like Bacon is encouraging you to do, then that does result in, you know. I mean, I work at a technical technical university. There are enough professors who take whatever they discover and turn it into a business that happens regularly. And, right. You yeah. Know, they might make pretty good money from this. Yeah. So, if you're... so it's actually supported as well. They like it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're building something of value and we measure... Yeah, how, you know, the worth of things and even, I guess, to some extent, people buy how much we pay them, then. Yeah, if you're saying, oh, I'm, you know, adding value to the world and I should get compensated accordingly. Um, uh, that's fair, I guess. Hmm. So here's a question then. Do we think of science and technology as sort of the same thing or are they slightly different? Because I could certainly see hmm. an argument to be made. Oh, yeah, if you're building technologies then that's slightly different than if you're just generating pure knowledge. And pure knowledge, well, it should not come at a cost to people that are getting the knowledge, just the same way that I would, well, gosh, this is getting into tricky situations. Because I was just going to say, well, students shouldn't have to pay to, but they do pay to go to school. <laughs> so I guess they are paying yeah. for um, getting some knowledge. Um, and I think that even if you take the money out of it, might not create an optimal educational system because right. they might not be motivated enough if they don't have to pay for an extra year of tuition if they don't graduate in time and that kind of stuff. So, right. so money is there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's it's a tricky one because, I mean, I think we think this is a tricky one because we are not very sensitive to money. You know, I I probably, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you. But I'm not very sensitive to money. I'm, you know, if I have enough and I have enough, I really don't care about any gains in having more income. Um, yeah. At the same time, you know, I will do stuff for money. Of course, you can, you know, pay me and then I'll come over and I'll teach you in person about <laughs> uh, something. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. go through the hassle of doing that if, you, if I'm compensated enough. But in terms of scientific discovery, I really never had the feeling at least that I did anything so it would make me more money. It's not directly in the line of business that we're in, I feel. No, yeah, um, I agree. But, but then, you know, science is a social system as well. And how would you feel if in a couple of years you've just done better science, um, but somebody else gets promoted to become a full professor and earns much more money and you work just as hard? You, you know, I, th I have the feeling that money plays this role in science, that people want to get more money because other people also get more money. And, mm. you know, they're definitely not bad. I feel that this and that that's, I think, actually a bit of a sad situation, not a good motivator, uh, but it happens all the time, I feel. 
I think you're right. And I think, I mean, I'm definitely seeing it, especially at the graduate student level. I'm at the, you know, in Silicon Valley. And I do think a lot of graduate students especially see their peers making a lot, lot more because they're in tech. Um, And so I definitely think, yeah, we value, you know, we assess how much people are worth based on how much resources they're able to accrue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that probably plays out in science as well, right? Like, yeah, other people are getting paid more. They have like these fancier jobs and um, there's a bit of, I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a very competitive system, right? Mm -hmm. Academia is, even if you think about, oh, generating knowledge is like, oh, people are worried about getting scooped. Oh, we want to be, you know, especially when you look historically, people are like, oh, who's the first to come up with whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you bring in money, I think it it maybe in some sense makes it a little bit easier to assess, yeah, who's doing better than who in the market, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think it's easy to get distracted by it. I mean, I think uh, people might adjust. So, so what I see a risk of being motivated by money is that if I look around me, so, so I'm not a full professor, mm-hmm. right? So we don't, we have like, so I'm not a professor at all. Like at my university, we wouldn't call ourselves a professor. That's only the last level, basically. So mm. I have to make a promotion to mm. become a professor. Mm-hmm. Now I'm what's called a university head teacher. So that's how it works oh, here. Nice. So if I want to become a professor, mm-hmm. there's really a noticeable bump in my salary mm-hmm. if I would become a full professor. Mm-hmm. And 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 I am in the age range where colleagues of mine become full professors. Mm-hmm. And and I think the biggest trick is that you just <clears throat> focus on the small difference in salary. I mean, not small, but you know, noticeable. It's mm-hmm. worth it. And and you're like, okay, so what do I need to do mm-hmm. to get that? Mm-hmm. You know, like it it would be achievable for me. I mean, I. I care so little that I didn't even think about whatever is necessary for this. But let's say that I, you know, somebody will tell you, oh, Daniel, it's possible, but you need to do this and this and this. Then I think, you know, it's so easy to try to do do those things that you need to get there, to get that extra money. And what would that entail? Like, would it be something drastically different than what you're already doing or be easy enough to do? Well, uh, I mean, the typical things that are required for uh, promotion are things like getting grants, mm. uh, supervising PhD students, mm-hmm. um, publishing, you know, um, doing good at management and education. So one thing that you could do or that you would see, especially grants, I think, are pretty convincing things. So I would switch from actually doing useful science to write a lot of grants mm. until I get one. Mm. And then the moment I get one, I run to whoever can give <laughs> me this promotion and say, hey, 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 I did this. And I think that's the warning, basically, right? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, I mean, I think, yeah, money is, is it's good to get it as a reward. It's good. It's also good to give people money if they do a very good job. But yeah, the risk, it's just such, I feel it's such a risk. Yeah, because it ends up becoming an end in, in of itself. Um, very quickly. Very more, quickly. More quickly than the other ones. Because you can just really see like, okay, if I just check these things, right. I'm very likely to make this much more. So from all the things, it's the easiest one, I feel, to distract you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. We can't not pay people. That's true. So we have to, it's part of the job, I guess. Yeah. But I guess it brings me to like a lot of the times when you hear people talking about, oh, how do we make science better? They'll talk about incentives. Mm -hmm. And of course, we should incentivize, I think, good behavior and good science and doing things for the right reasons. But sometimes I feel like 
what we need in science are fewer people that are motivated only by these sort of out outward incentives um i think mm. that's the issue but in, intrinsic motivation is just so hard <laughs> to come by mm-hmm. and what would you know what would it be for if not for all those things um you know well i mean there there are other things like like fame you know like like fame and superiority to us which which one do you want to talk about first the superiority one yeah let's talk about the superiority to other people all right yeah. all right so 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 let me just ask i mean about the superiority for others you're like that's just a weird one let me just ask yeah have you ever looked up your google scholar page where you see your number of citations and your indexes and stuff and and no, not just this because everybody does this come on but after this you then type in a word like someone else someone else's profile and you're like oh yeah oh yeah i'm doing better than <laughs> or, or like oh no man how, how do they have so many numbers here which are much higher than my numbers you've never done this i no i haven't published enough to care about my numbers yet um <laughs> You're just making me feel very bad about good. That was not, that was the goal. Meeting <laughs> yeah, just making me feel bad. I'm not a real Baconian here, but yeah, no, I've I've definitely you know I've done this. I've done this. I'm aware that I do this, but I've done this. I don't feel proud after I do this, but I I do I do this. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't do it as you know methodically as you do, but I guess. <laughs> Every you morning, know, yeah, schedule it in. Schedule it in nine o'clock in the morning. I just check. go sit around feeling. <laughs> I don't do it methodology. Okay. Anyway, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, and that's the thing about knowledge. I think. I mean, Bacon is. I didn't know this until we started talking about this. Is that he's credited really with the expression "knowledge as power," which I didn't know mm-hmm. that. And I do think mm-hmm. that that is certainly true in the sense that yeah, if you if you know more about the world. There's definitely people are I've noticed since I've been in academia, people are so impressed by just the most inane thing. Like if you remember things, if you seem like, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, if you talk fast, Mm -hmm. they just get so impressed. They think you're so, you know, some kind of a genius. Mm -hmm. And so it's insofar as you know things, I do think people in academia get like they're impressed by that. And so you do feel like, oh, yeah, I know things, you know, I know more than, you know, X, Y, and Z about whatever topic. And that can make you feel like a little bit superior. And yeah, and that nice, it's, nice example. Yeah. And it's it's a pleasant feeling or when you can, you know, show people <laughs> that they're wrong about something or right. And and that is, you know, you now, can. Are you, are you saying that? You, you never Googled your own age indexes, but you have this experience of being smarter than other people all the time. That's basically what you're saying here, right? Like, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, that is exactly that what it just happens all the time. Yeah. I'm just like, everybody I meet. Yeah, no, I just yeah. just walking around the world. I'm like, oh, yeah, smarter than that person, that person, that person. <laughs> <laughs> OK, now I feel a bit better about where we both are. Yeah, that's thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, no. But it's, a, but it's a very good point. I think that's a very nice example of superiority and right. like feeling superior, like feeling just so smart. Yeah. It's yeah, a very nice one. Yeah. And that's... And I think people are motivated by this. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Right. I mean, why else would you want to be called doctor? Right. Like, I just want a doctor in front of my name so people know that I'm smart. Um, and that is hard. It's it's hard to get rid of that or, or try to like attenuate that feeling. Right. Or not to let, let it get to your head when you... 
I think one of the things that I try to do is just try to be in rooms where I feel really, really stupid. I think that that can be very helpful. Um, but that that yeah. becomes so hard when you're as smart as I am, you know. <laughs> yeah, but but it is a good point that this can get in in the way, right. especially like you mentioned, like feeling you know feeling better than other people or wanting to mm -hmm. to look smart mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. gets into the way of knowledge generation. Absolutely, I, think, I mean. For our students, I guess, I mean, at least when I teach, I say, you know, you have mastery goals, you have performance goals. And, you know, if you right. have a performance goal where you just want to be smarter right. than other people, that would actually prevent you from asking questions that can make you feel stupid. Right. Um, and that's exactly in science. Like if yeah. you have the goal to look smarter than other people, we would also not ask questions that would make us feel stupid or, you know. And um, so it, I can see how especially this feeling of superiority of being a driver gets into the way of knowledge generation on this very concrete level. Yeah. I, I like it as an example. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. It's also mm -hmm. interesting, by the way, this feeling of superiority. So within science, you can have it. But outside of science, it's also a thing. Like whenever you say you're a scientist, mm, people are still just right. impressed. And, yeah. Uh, you know, when I walk around Rotterdam here, my hometown, and I, you know, walk my dog and I talk to some people and they ask, what do you do? Like people, people are just impressed if you say, yeah, I'm a scientist. They're like, who? But you're a psychologist, Daniel. I don't know. <laughs> I don't say that part. I don't say that part. You know? I say, I say, I work at a technical university. People, you know, they think I'm a physicist or something. I don't say what I do. Come on. Wow. That is so sneaky. <laughs> No, no, I do I say, it. I do say, I would be like, they, I'm a they still like it. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, most of the time, I actually say I'm a teacher. You know, I actually, oh. yeah, but but I but I say I'm a teacher, especially because I don't like this feeling of superiority that they say. So right. I'll typically say, yeah, you know, I teach, and then they say, where do you teach? I say at the university, and you know, as part of my job, I also do research. Mm -hmm. Typically, oh. because otherwise, if you start with the researcher part, they're like, Ooh. they'll immediately be like, oh wow, oh you're researcher yeah, yeah yeah but with the teacher part they're sort of like yeah okay that's in our culture i mean I, I, you will look at this differently but in the netherlands being a teacher is not really the high prestige or high respect kind of profession anymore regrettably regrettably yeah not it's not in the u.s mm. either but definitely in like in india i remember it being a very mm. it, it's respected a mm. lot lot more um and i think yeah. We definitely need more of that. Yeah. So the superiority to other. Yeah, I, I totally know get what you mean. People think that, you know, oh, you're you're not getting a PhD even. It's like, oh wow. Yeah. But I think but I think your example is much better of how it gets in the way because it's internal to science. Like within science, we're trying to, you know, pretend we're smarter or right. perform better on some metric. Uh, and uh, of course we're also rewarded for it, you know, if we have our grant evaluations. These personal characteristics, these evaluations do play a role, but um, it also really hinders team science, you know, which mm. we need to move towards to more. You can't have feelings of superiority in team science. It doesn't make any sense. So so I do think it gets into the way in the way of uh, right. stuff like team science, these feelings of superiority. Well, but your team can feel superior to other teams. <laughs> <laughs> this is a... It's a very good point. No, no. I mean, it is. Um, and with uh, my former postdoc, uh, Leo Tiokin, we actually um, have a paper on the review about multi-level selection. Uh, so instead of rewarding the superior individual mm. within a group, let's say a department, 
yeah, you basically have a higher level of selection and you let, I don't know, maybe departments compete or something. And at least within the department, you get a lot more teamwork and collaboration. Um, Of course, you know, if you have competing departments, it might not be good, but maybe uh, at the highest level, we should start to compete with physics or something. You know, you have scientific disciplines compete with each other for uh, increasing the benefit to life right you know wouldn't that be nice i think that's at least as good as we can get we still have some competition but uh, benefit of life yeah that is such a lofty goal yeah um then what was the last one we had fame or i guess power also Mm -hmm. so the, the way i think power is maybe related to knowledge. I mean, but think about like in science, what would it mean to have power, right? I mean, and that's the thing about, mm-hmm. well, knowledge is power, right? I, like if if you know something mm-hmm. about, I, I mean, think about the vaccine, right? There was mm-hmm. stuff that we knew about how RNA works and about how vaccines work. Otherwise, how we were able to use this information to then generate. And that is that is influence and power, right? Being able to use this knowledge to then generate something that did benefit life in a very real mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah, there, there they are aligned, I would say. Yeah. Power and knowledge can be aligned, of course. And the problem is, again, when power becomes a goal in itself. Right, yeah. With, without this connection with, with knowledge. And, and I think that happens. I mean, um, one one of the things that surprised me more than I, you know, that surprised me. So it plays a bigger role than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. But that's stuff like politics um, in, in science in general. I mean, there's limited attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can only read so many papers. And if you're the person who determines what other people are thinking about or mm, doing it. Mm-hmm. That, that's a form of power, you know, yeah. influence. If you're right. influencing the topics of debate or, yeah, or even funding, you know, you can, if you get influential enough as a scientist, you can go to the national funder. You could say, you know what, you should spend more money on mm. uh, stuff like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, right. and this happens, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in a position where, uh, I am in committees uh, with a funder, and um, you can have I, you can you have know. a say in yeah what is funded and what's done. Exactly. And, right, right, right. Exactly, and 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 getting in those positions and trying to exert that influence uh, can be a goal. Yeah, it can be a goal that you work towards. And and the question is, if you pursue that, I mean, of course, you're trying maybe to do it. Well, the worst way is that you just try to get more money for whatever the thing is you want to study regardless of whether it's important. You know, that's the worst use of power, I would say. And then people do this. They definitely do. Um, you know, currently I'm working with a funder and I'm advising them on topics that I don't have a direct stake in. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, I can shape, direct them into things that I think are important. Maybe I care about team science more than the average scientist. And then I would push them more to help teams form. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really close to what, what I'm working on. Um, yeah, but that that is a role that I um, can play if I have a bit of influence, and and that might not be good for science. I hope it is good for science. You know, I, I'm not trying to get myself more money from the funder, but I'm trying to make them spend money on things I think are important. But is this good for scientific knowledge generation? How do we know? I don't know. How do we know? And it sort of depends on what your motivations are, right? Because you could be doing it for the benefit of science, and for other other people mm-hmm. could just be doing because. Maybe there's some vested interests, right? If, or, exactly. or if, exactly. 
they just have certain exactly. this, ideology. They just want to push certain, right? That also happens where you're claiming th- th- this science. This is also why I'm right, just, you know. yeah, why I'm trying to become a science dictator because, you know, <laughs> just give me all the power because I will do what's right for all of you. Trust me. Give me all the power. Right. No, yeah, that's right. the tricky thing, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. But that's a tricky thing. So, yeah, it, there can be individuals who have power and do the right thing for people, but. But but yeah. but then this sounds like a, almost like a catch twenty two, right? Because if you want to say I want to do this for the betterment of life, mm. then you do need some influence to be right. Like it doesn't matter if you've created an RNA vaccine in your basement. Like it wouldn't matter if it yeah. doesn't get to the people. So you do need to exert yeah. some kind of power of influence to be able to use what you have developed or knowledge that yeah. you've generated to help people. But then, how do you make sure that you're not doing it? just for yeah yeah. this is honestly the thing i mean it's interesting because i didn't think about this um, so much but now that it comes up i think this is one of the things i struggle with quite a lot Hmm. because i do actually sometimes think about how can i gain influence (laughs) yeah because then yeah you You have all these brilliant ideas and they need to be out yeah (laughs) (laughs) well but i have goals that i think are good for science And then, but the thing is, I I sometimes detached from these goals, think, okay, what can I do Mm. to have influence about things? So let's say you reach out to, I mean, I did this literally like uh, many years ago, reach, actively reach out to the science funder and say, hey, this is a thing I think we should talk to, talk about. Can we do this? So actively reaching out Mm. has nothing to do with furthering my uh, knowledge generation, right. you know, doing my research. It's actively reaching out, like, let's see if I can influence something there. So that's just, ex- just the goal is power it's there, influence. right? Trying to influence things. Right. Of course, yeah, you hope that you do it for the greater good or whatever it is. Um, but but this is really a thing I, I'm surprised by. And also that I've accepted, and, and now I think you're going to judge me even more. No, no. When I Google my own profile. But, <laughs> I mean, this is really something that I feel is difficult. I have accepted that this is part of it. I, I will do things to try to have influence because I think that is valuable. It will make me, you know, achieve the things I want. And I feel a little bit bad about it, but I've re- also just given in. I think it's just mm. part of it because I am uncertain about mm. it to, a certain, to, to mm-hmm. some extent. Mm-hmm. I know that I could be wrong. Right. And at the same time, I think, yeah, but I'm still going to try, you know, and for money and, and those things, it's much easier for me to just say, yeah, I don't care about it. Right. I have enough. I don't want more. But for power, it's one of the things where I'm like, no, if I if I can get more influence and maybe, you know, maybe I talk to the science funder, but then I think maybe I should talk to the government. I can also go and talk to the government, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe I should do this. Yeah. So it's like a goal in itself that I actively think about. And, and I, yeah, yeah, I don't know how much it is in line with good knowledge generation. Um, I hope so, of course, you know, but I, I feel I just have to trust it and just go for it and pursue this goal of having influence because, but I also know that there are people who don't agree about the goals that, that I have, you, you have. know, yeah. because you, you can see them, you encounter them, they have different goals. And because there are these people with different goals, it really feels like, yeah, I'm trying to get more influence than you. Then, yeah, taking so it away from somebody else. What right? I want to do, what I think is the right way will get done. Mm. And that I, that's really one of the things I, I had no idea when I started in science that this would be a topic. But it's been more of a topic than I um, anticipated. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Th- it's an interesting one, though. Yeah. 
Um, and I, but, but do you think it, like, it hinders knowledge generation or knowledge dissemination? The risk is, I think, um, really the, the topics that get studied, you know, the people who have influence. And this is, hmm. I mean, anybody who doesn't have influence will, of course, criticize the scientific system that there are these people that have more influence, but they're doing the wrong thing with it, you know? Right. Um, uh, because I think they think that science has to go into a different direction. There should be more funding for this. Like all those decisions, there's a lot of politics there. And there are people who make the decisions and are, are in a position to make these decisions. So, um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I mean, if I don't know. Because we don't know what the end goals are, you know? Right. Uh, who knows that they're the right person to determine what happens in a system where there's conflict? Um, and of course, we can all be sort of saying, yeah, everybody should, you know, get a little bit of money. We should distribute it sort of a little bit evenly, but it's it's not evenly distributed at all. You know, I mean, no. certain fields get a lot more money than other fields, just to, just how it is. Hmm. Yeah, the power one is tricky. It is definitely tricky. And I think you're right that it, it like when you don't know what the end goal is, right? Then it's just oh, mm -hmm. Daniel, Daniel versus Smithy. Like, who do we think? Mm -hmm. Do you think it would be mm -hmm. easier if we did have a better way to come up with? So there's one other of Bacon's quotes that we looked at. Um, it's the eighty-one. <laughs> yeah. So so he has this uh, book Novum Organum where there are all these aphorisms that are numbered, conveniently numbered. So number eighty-one. What I don't remember from yeah. What does it say? Conveniently numbered in Roman numerals, which was nice because then mm -hmm. I had to refresh what they mean. So the first uh, the first line of that is that there's another powerful and great cause of little advancement of the sciences, which is this. It is impossible to advance properly in the course when the goal is not properly fixed. Um, mm. And I think, and that's where I think science can get really tricky is like we were talking about, yeah, there is no, we don't know, right? Let's take our discipline, for example, psychology. Yeah, like what what's the goal? What are the big problems that we have? When you don't have a clear picture of where you're going, then it is, mm -hmm. then it's so much easier to fall into, oh, it's Daniel's word against Smithy's word, yeah. as opposed to, oh, we have yeah. a goal that we're trying to get to what is the best way to get there. And I don't know if that plays into, right. So like that, it turns into like these power struggles because the discipline just lacks a focus. Yeah. And also a discussion about these goals, I feel. So I, I, you have to engage in the power distribution because mm -hmm. there is, you know, influence, there are decisions that need to be made and people who make them. So you have to engage in this process and I feel almost without, but wait a second, let's all take a step back. What are we trying to do? Can we, yeah. can we reach agreement? There's not another conversation about these goals. You know, I mean, psychologists don't sit together and say, okay, there's so much budget for all of us. How do we want to distribute it? No, no. Everybody's just like, let's try to get into a position so I can shovel most of the money to my direction, whatever I care about. Right. Um, but it would be interesting to sit back and say, what are our goals? Yeah. Then, then I would feel less problematic about this whole power issue if we would be clear on the goals. It's a good point. Right. And I guess it then brings us to sort of individual versus collective benefit, which I think is what Bacon is trying to say, right? It shouldn't be for your your individual benefit. Mm -hmm even if it's either material or in the form of like fame or power or superiority, but it should be about the collective. And I, I mean, that's hard to get people to think that way, right? Of like what mm. might be beneficial for 
the discipline or for the field versus what is the the most benefit for me at this moment mm-hmm. where I'm trying to advance my career and I'm trying to get, you know, these publications and I'm trying to get this grant so I can advance, you know, in this job. Yeah. And it's also convenient to take them as good proxies. Then you don't have to think about these difficult questions like what's the goal and and is the is is the science that I'm doing actually contributing to this overall goal? You can just say, well, you know, a lot. Of, I'm I'm quite famous for what I do, <laughs> so that you know shows that this is good enough. Sometimes they might be good proxies, yeah. But maybe sometimes not. I don't know. But the thing is, like, if you're already in a research field, you're famous for something right it's not so easy to switch to these more important topics maybe you know that you started a decade ago so in that sense maybe the younger generation that starts now is in a better position to pick those topics that bacon would say are the ones to go go for but yeah but what he's talking about sort of his motivation of going into science and what is the appropriate point at which you try to either influence that or try to filter people based on that mm-hmm. because it can't right like you yeah. can't do it when they're already on a tenure track mm-hmm. because then you're already part of the system yeah you can't select on what didn't enter into science to begin with right and i think yeah science is just yeah i guess it is such a fascinating question question of like why do people go into science i don't know if you like i i was trying to think about well so what does science even mean and it's it definitely means something different to me now than I did when I was younger. But I just remember science just this, this like really cool thing. And it's also, you know, something that gets you in touch with what's really out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that makes science different than other things is the is this whole idea of independent confirmation right it's not your word it's not my word it's the fact that right so it is sort of very very collaborative in that sense but it's but then i think that's definitely there's a tension with that with just individual incentives and a lot of it of oh you want to be sort of the lone genius Mm -hmm. and i think it's yeah the incentives are definitely i think stacked against doing good science in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I can't remember. There was a tweet that I recently, uh, well, saw. Maybe I'll find it at some point. Put it in the show notes if I can find it. Um, <laughs> but it was like, oh, it feels like you know the incentives are of science are you know stacked so that you either can play the game or you can do good science. But it seems like they're not you know designed for mm-hmm. you to be able to do both, and it does feel like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely very worried about this. Um... I mean, there are two two things to say. So first, I have the feeling that when, when you say what your beliefs or thoughts were, what science was about, it's definitely about those loftier goals when I started. But then throughout the process, when, you, when you're into it, very quickly, you get those, those other goals that pop up, you know. Uh, you, you do start to worry about looking smarter or better than other people around you because you think somebody needs to hire me in a bit right. you know so all of a sudden there are all these other things that start to pop up and become goals um so that's definitely a thing like it quickly changes right um which is interesting and and maybe it also changes back after a while because i have tenure now so yeah. i don't have to worry so much about these things so maybe it's like a u-shaped mm. pattern like mm-hmm. how much you care about those things i, I definitely feel like i'm caring carry, uh, caring much more about them now than in the past but but about the thing like, you know, who gets in and continues in, I think it's super important. I just got an email from somebody this week, somebody that I like, like a young researcher. And uh, it, this happens more often than I want 
uh, and it's always sad, mm-hmm. but they, they just send me an email saying, yeah, I decided to not continue on in science. In this case, they're, they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're not PhD students. They already passed this bar, mm-hmm. but they basically stop a little bit after this. And, um, it is because they feel that their values are not aligned with what happens in science, you know, and I know, yeah, this is a topic I talk to. Uh, a lot of people about it interests me and so so i do hear a lot of these stories where people feel like it's not aligned and this is not the first email i've gotten ever Mm. you know like this Mm -hmm. and and it really um worries me you know i i'm I'm sad that whenever this happens and it and it worries me because this this is a super talented individual like there's no doubt in my mind it's just not just that i like them they're just i think objectively very good scientists Mm -hmm. so anytime we lose someone like this because they feel their values are not in line with what they see around them at their uh, place Mm -hmm. of work Mm -hmm. that 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 i think is a big problem i think we really lose people because yeah the motivations are not not in line with what bacon wants like they you know they see all these other motivations trump doing stuff for the good and i can hardly blame them for them then finding a job somewhere else where they can pursue those kind of uh, goals that they have yeah but it's not an ideal situation for science to be in right if we lose those people no not at all and then the question is like what so this is about their individual goals for doing science are not aligning with the way that the system that they're in is doing science like let's say so let's say somebody was um in that position where they felt like that what would you recommend to somebody? So imagine that this person hadn't decided to leave yet mm-hmm. and they were just like, I'm thinking about leaving. What would you recommend mm-hmm. to a person in that position that hasn't left yet, but is thinking of leaving? Yeah. I mean, I think there, there are two things. I mean, recommendations. One, one is what should we do about this situation? But let's leave that for a second. I mean, you're asking what the, what the advice would be for this person. And I think it's a super difficult question. Um, there are a couple of things you can do. So, I mean, one thing that I think is important is, especially at this stage, post PhD, you're free to work with whoever you want to work. You have quite a lot of freedom and there are people who share your values. I mean, of course, I mean, that's why we were in touch anyway, but there are some people who share your values. And I found it quite, um, um, nice to work with people wherever they were, um, even if they were not in my institution, which is great. I couldn't be in a nicer place, right? So it's not against my colleagues at all. They actually share my values. That's why I work where I work mm-hmm. and where why I will stay there as long mm-hmm. as it stays like this. Yeah. But, um, um, but, but I did search for people who share these values. And I think you need just a handful of them. You know, mm-hmm. if you can find three or four and you can work with those people, that's fine. And you can have a happy career for a very long time. And then, you know, you can talk during the coffee break about all sorts of other things. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about the value system with your direct colleagues if it's really not aligned. Um, but you can find a couple of good people. So that would be my like short-term solution. Mm-hmm. Find some people who share. Because I do agree, it's super important. Right. And if you don't feel that you can do stuff in line with your values, yeah, why? Why do it? Why do, why it? do it then? I think it's, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's right for this person for to make it a deal breaker. Right. You know, if you don't get this. So, so that maybe brings brings me to the second point that I think we should do. Like, why didn't a manager at this institution talk to this very talented young researcher mm-hmm. and say, hey, are there issues here? What are your values? What are your goals? What do you want to achieve? I mean, clearly there was a misalignment between how the 
place where this person worked was set up and what this person wanted to do. So maybe we should have more explicit conversations. What are your values? What do you want to do? And then somebody can say, you know, I really loved, I think, I think there should be more team science. And I don't want to be a first author on 40 papers in the next couple of years. I don't want, that's not what I want from science. My values say we should have more team science. So there should be team players and I want to be a team player. And then, yeah, why not? You know, um, but have a conversation about what your values are. See if they can be accommodated within the structure of a department. And as a manager, mm -hmm. I mean, whoever is the manager of this person should feel bad about leaving, uh, losing a very talented uh, staff member, basically. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. You know, because they also publish and they do all these other traditional things anyway, you know. So I think you, you would yeah, feel bad about losing this person and want to prevent that. And maybe one way to do this is have a bit more conversations about what motivates you. Yeah. And can we give you what you want? Right. Or even being, even if at department levels, which might be very hard to do, but if departments are able to be explicit about what their scientific, you know, values are, which are the things that they value the most, it might just be, yeah, like having conversations like this. It's like, yeah, what do we think science is for? And what are we trying to do here as a department? Making those conversations, yeah. like having explicitly those conversations might be helpful for people who are thinking, like, do I want to join this department? Yeah, or, or or how can we, you know, what's my role within the department? And I mean, we, you have yearly progress meetings, at least I have them. Right. But these are forms that are pre-filled with the stuff we need to discuss. And it doesn't have a question like, hey, what are your values and are they aligned with the stuff we do? They are like, what's your strategy for teaching for the next year? What's right. your publication strategy or how's funding going? All these things that we check. But yeah, so and, and it's not obvious to start a conversation about it. And even if you didn't prepare it or you don't regularly talk about it, I wouldn't know what to say if this is your first thing during a progress meeting. They're like, <laughs> oh, good question. I'll have to think about it. So, yeah, having some discussions about this topic could be could be a good way to go forward. I would imagine it might even be important for somebody who says, you know what I care about? I want to I want to get a be a millionaire in science before my 40th. <laughs> and even then in a department, you could say, OK, so that's your goal. We also have another couple of things we want, but how can we align? I mean, so even maybe for those people, it would be worth. And it, it's it's nicely related to this um, uh, aphorism uh, 81 that you mentioned, like it is impossible to advance properly in the course when the goal is not properly fixed. Right. So this is part of fixing, fixing the, the goal, I guess. The goal. Yeah. What the goal is. Um, yeah. Science is hard. <laughs> One thing I've learned from um, being in a band when I was 15, my father gave me very good advice. He said, you know, if you if you play a song on a stage, two things are important. Yeah. You start at the same time and you end at the same time. Mm. <laughs> so I feel that, you know, the ending is important. We feel like, okay, ready, done. Now we're done. <laughs> and also not like, okay, yeah, no, anything else? Anybody <laughs> wants to say anything somewhere? No? Well, I guess, you know, I guess, I guess we're done then, I guess, you know. Thank you for listening to this episode of Milius in Verba. Our theme song is Newton's Cradle by Grand Brothers. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or comments you'd like to share, you can reach us over email at meliusinverbapod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at Mastodon or Twitter. In today's episode, we discuss the motivations Bacon believed scientists should have for engaging in the scientific enterprise 
and whether those align with the realities of science 400 years later. In the next episode, we'll discuss the role of skepticism in science. When is skepticism healthy, and when does it risk sliding into cynicism or nihilism? We hope you will join us.